outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. Since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. It doesn't show signs of stopping, and I brought some corn for popping. The lights are turned down low. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. When we finally kiss goodnight, how I'll hate going out in the storm. But if you'll really hold me tight, all the way home I'll be warm. The fire is slowly dying, and my dear, we're still goodbye. As long as you love me so, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow.
Well, who would have thunk it? Yes, a Met game was snowed out on May 20th. I don't think I've ever seen a snow out that way in the year, have you? But now that he's saying that Colorado's going to hit with some snow uh, Friday night into Saturday, so we have to see whether or not Saturday's game is going to be played. Uh, regardless whether it gets played or not, it's, I guess the conditions are going to be kind of cold and wet if they do. So yesterday's game, Friday's game, will be made up as a split doubleheader on Saturday with the first game at 3.10 p.m. and the second game at 8.40 p.m. Like I said, there is snow in the forecast in Denver for Friday night through early Saturday morning. So we'll have to see how this transpires as the day goes on. Now the Mets Carlos Carrasco scheduled to pitch on Friday, and he will get the ball for game one. The other starting pitcher will be Trevor Williams. Now, should the Mets take a chance on Bartolo Colon? Bartolo Colon is hinting that he would pitch for the Mets. Would you like to see Big Bart in New York? Well, here's what some of the staff members of Baseball Night in New York had to say about this. The panel here is Sal Akata, Anthony McCarron, uh, Jim Duquette, and our good buddy, Terry Collins. Flyer on Bartolo Colon, who's always working out, would love to probably get, still probably get a rubber arm. I know Terry would take a flyer on him, would you, McCarron? Sal, in a, in a little bit of fan service here, I say yes, bring Bartolo back, <laughs> because it would make Met fans crazy. They would love it. I don't know if it would work, but I bet he could still play. Terry, you think Bartolo still gets some outs? I bet, he, I bet he can give you five innings today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I knew it. I love it. And I wouldn't doubt it either. So would you want Bartolo pitching for the Mets? Very interesting. It's pure speculation right now, but I guess we'll see what happens as days go on. Now with Max Scherzer expected to be sidelined for the next six to eight weeks after suffering an oblique injury, and Tyler McGill is still out because of biceps tendonitis, the Mets starting rotation depth is about to be seriously tested behind Chris Bassett, Carlos Carrasco, and Taiwan Walker. David Peterson is going to be asked to fill one of the empty rotation spots. Options for the other spot, which could possibly be filled again by Miguel sooner rather than later, include Thomas Zabuki, Trevor Williams, and Adonis Medina. Now, I've always been a big fan of Thomas Zabuki. He has a very live arm, and injuries have curtailed his progress in the major leagues, but if I had my choice, I'd go with Zabuki. Uh, the upside, potential for upside is bigger with Sabuki than the other three, in my opinion. But we'll see what transpires there. And the Mets getting McGill back soon. He's eligible to return from the, I return from the IL on May 27th. Would obviously be huge since it would mean only having to patch one rotation spot long term. But even McGill returns quickly. The Mets with Scherzer dealing with a tricky injury and Jacob DeGrom making progress towards return but not yet in an, on a mound, should be exploring the trade market for reinforcements. But teams really aren't ready to make a trade in May, even ones who are buried in the standings. And that almost certain to remain there. That there aren't going to be too many uh, teams willing to deal a pitcher. The trade market will fall, though. And when it does, here are five pitchers the Mets should think about pursuing. Number one, Frankie Montas. It's wild that Montas is still on the Oakland A's, 
who with their actions this season totally announced that they were entering a rebuild that had little interest in attempting to contend this season. The A's traded Chris Bassett and Sean Manaya before the season, but Montas remains, and he is set to be a free agent after the 2023 season. So unless the A's think they're going to somehow contend by next season, doing Montas at some point before this year's trade deadline is probably a no-brainer. Montas is earning just a shade over $5 million this season. <clears throat> so if you combine his very affordable deal with another year of control in 2023, it's clear he won't be cheap to obtain. But Montas was a 3.67 ERA and a 1.02 whip with 53 strikeouts and 49 innings a season. Should be at the top of the Mets list. Now how about Zach Greinke? He's not really a big fan of big city like New York. And he signed with the Kansas City Royals this offseason as he returned to where his big league career start, started. But the Royals were 14-23 and 23 entering play on Friday. Let's be honest, they're likely not going to make some noise in the AL Central. Greinke is a free agent after the season. So it would make sense for the Royals to dangle Greinke and see if they can get something big for him in return. And if anyone bites... He isn't the ace he was as recently as 2019, but he's still consistent and reliable with a 4.02 ERA and a 1.16 whip since 2020. Now how about this Y-Barm, Willie Castillo. Castillo's name has been in the rumor mill since last season, but so far the Reds have resisted trading him. Could that change this season? After a historically bad start to start the year, Cincinnati has been better recently. But they're 11 and 26 and in the basement of the NL Central. Mike Montas Castillo is under team control through 2023. But potentially complicating things is the fact that the start of Castillo's season was delayed because of a shoulder injury. He returned on May 9th and has made two starts since. Now, how about Tyler Molly? Molly has struggled to a start the season with a 5.23 ERA and 1.34 whip in nine starts. But his 3.36 FIP suggests he's been unlucky and that his ERA is due to improve. His advanced numbers of, on, at Baseball Savant are mostly in the red, which is a good thing. The Reds are in full give-up mode, but some of their off-season off moves, including sending Trent Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez to the Seattle Mariners sent a pretty big signal that they're not interested in winning anytime soon. Now, if the Reds are not seriously attempting to contend right now, both Maui and Castillo should be made available with the Reds likely able to get a strong haul back. So look for the Reds to maybe deal those two very good arms and see what transpires in the next couple months. Now, how about Wade Miley? He's always been one of those pitchers that's been very, very underrated. He's bounced around a lot lately, playing for four teams in the last five seasons. And he's found himself on the Chicago Cubs this year. He has been sneaky good over the last five seasons with a 3.51 ERA and 1.31 whip in 85 games. He's dealt with elbow inflammation earlier this season, but has been strong in his first two starts since returning. Now, the Cubs have signed Marcus Stroman during the offseason and also added Seiya Suzuki to their outfield are not punting this season, but their record, they were 15-22 and 22 entering play on Friday, might eventually free their hand. So let's keep an eye on those pitchers. I'm not saying that the Mets are going to go and try to make a deal, 
But if they are going to make a deal for a pitcher, those are some of, some of the pitchers out there. I say just ride with the arms you have right now. Uh, they're in the major leagues and they're pitchers because they're good for a reason and they're in the organization because you believe in them. So give them that shot and keep an eye out for Zabuki. Now with the Mets snow out yesterday and the fact that like 40 games were basically at the quarter point of the season, it's probably a good time to start giving out some grades on the Mets. To this point, they have been solid or better in the most important areas, and that has resulted in their top spot in the NL East. Now, along the way, the Mets have really shown a good display of uh, hitting it in every game that they're in and never being out, always fighting to the last strike. And they've already pulled off a handful of memorable eight-inning comebacks. They have been fundamentally sound and smartly aggressive. There have been some hiccups, including the injuries to Trevor May, James McCann, Tyler McGill. But the Mets have been remarkably consistent, not losing a series until the middle of May. That the Mets have played this well with Jacob DeGrom out and still a ways away should not be surprising. The team that was assembled on their owner Steve Cohen by Billy Epler and company is deep and talented and has set up well for success this year and beyond. Now, let's grade some of the Mets and... See what you think. How about the starting lineup? From the start of the season, it was clear that the Mets' offense was a lot different than the one that struggled in 2021. Unencumbered by the information overload that hampered them at times in 2021, the 2022 Mets, under new hitting coach Eric Chavez, and implementing a contact-heavy approach while using the opposite field often, have had one of the most well Rounded offenses in the majors this season while not being close to the league leaders and hard hit rate. Now that can catch up to you, but we'll see what transpires as the season goes on. But a team like the Mets with table setters such as Brandon Nimmo, Jeff McNeil, and Starling Marte really don't have to worry about living and dying by the home run. And that's an especially good thing when you consider the dead and best baseballs that have left hitters across baseball shaking their head this year. While the Mets lineup is not full of guys with huge power, except for the polar bear, who is far from all-or-nothing hitter. Their lineup is deep. Nimmo and McNeil could be ticketed for the All-Star game. Marcana has been strong, and Francisco Indoor, despite a slump in May, has been a plus. Eduardo Escobar has gotten off to a rocky start, but it's started to come around lately. The Mets could definitely use more at a DH spot, where J.D. Davis has hit the ball incredibly hard, with little to show for it, and Dominic Smith has been slow out of the gate. But overall, their offense has been very good. We'll give it a B plus. Now, how about the starting rotation? The rotation has helped carry the Mets to this point, but they're going to buckle down and get some help from the minors, and possibly outside the organization to keep things on track following the injury to Max Scherzer. Scherzer has been advertised before the injury. Chris Bassett has been everything the Mets hoped he would be, when they acquired him from the Oakland Athletics. And they should be trying to extend him. Carlos Carrasco, now healthy following an injury filled 2021, has returned to his Cleveland form. And Tyron McGill was doing his best to Grom impression before one disastrous start. Or he might have been hurt before landing on the IL. Ballooned his ERA. Taiwan Walker sees was interrupted by injury, but he's been solid. And David Peterson has filled in nicely when called upon. He's about to be called upon again. 
but the Mets' starting pitching depth is starting to get very thin, meaning they will likely soon have to rely on starts from pitchers including Trevor Williams and Thomas Zabuki. Depending on how long Miguel and Scherzer are out and on how their fill-ins perform, the Mets might have to turn to their trade market sooner rather than later to bolster the rotation. That could be easier said than done with teams not yet in sell mode. As for DeGrom, he could be on track to return in July, which obviously would be enormous. So we'll give the starting rotation almost an A, an A-. There's always some hiccups and everything, so I can't give them a perfect grade. But they've been as close to perfect as can be. Now how about the bullpen? The bullpen had a tough start to the season before quickly turning into an asset. Edwin Diaz has been flat out dominant. Drew Smith has emerged as a very solid weight inning option. And Seth Lugo has been largely very good. Losing Trevor May may hurt, but he is expected <clears throat> to be out until the second half of the season. Since the middle of May, Smith has been touched up a bit, and Jason Shreve, who has tremendous, was tremendous early on, has regressed some, putting even more pressure on Diaz and Lugo and making the late innings without May that much more difficult. Elsewhere in the bullpen, Joey Rodriguez has pitched well after a rough start, and pitchers like Colin Holderman and Adonis Medina and Steven Nagosik have been asked to step up. Even before the loss of May, it was clear the Mets would likely need some outside help or have someone from the minors emerge as a back-end option. And at this point, bolstering the bullpen is arguably the Mets' biggest need. So with all these inconsistencies, even though there's been a lot of bright spots, we'll give that a B-. minus. Now, how about the bench? Two members of the Met bench have stood out so far. Travis Jankowski has provided a spark at the plate on the bases and on the bases in the outfield. And Willie Guillaume has continued to do what he does best, have professional at-bats and play sparkling infield defense. Elsewhere, though, the bench really hasn't been that great. With McCann out, the backup catcher is now Patrick Mazika, who, despite his home run heroics against the Mariners last weekend, is not going to be derived upon to provide much offense. The biggest key for Mazika will be getting on the same page as the pitchers. Then there's either Dom Smith or J.D. Davis, with one of them usually in the D.H. spot. As noted above, Davis has hit the ball well, with not much to show for, while Smith has had a rough ride so far. So we'll give them an average C, I guess. And how about on defense? The Mets played fundamentally sound baseball, committing just 15 errors. Well, errors are just one small measure of how good a defensive team is. The Mets have been good. They're in the right spots. They're backing up plays. They're uh, executing rundowns, and they're covering ground. In the outfield, Kanha, Kana, and Nimmo have both been worth two outs above average, and that is not a dig at Davis or Smith, who both tried their best in left field while playing out of position in recent seasons. But having Kana out there has been a godsend. On the infield, McNeil has been strong. Escobar has been a vacuum at third base, except for some very recent hiccups, and I don't understand what was going on in the last few games with Eduardo. And Alonzo has made close to 90% of routine plays that have come his way. He's been good at getting the balls out of the dirt. And how about our manager? We'll give the bench an A. I mean, uh, the defense an A. They've saved a lot of games with the D this year, and that's how teams win. Pitching and defense. Offense, is a plus if it provides it, but defensive pitching to me have always been a key. 
You can have great pitching and mediocre defense, and that's not going to be the same as when you have good defense behind it. Just ask Buck Showalter uh, about that, because there is a different feel about the Mets this season. It's a seriousness, a professionalism, a fire that wasn't always present in past seasons. Showalter has been no-nonsense and also has had the backs of his players leading the charge at a dugout and glares from inside of it as the Mets have been drilled by more pitches than any team in baseball. He's gotten everyone involved after having one of his own bench players in the lineup in an effort to keep everyone game ready and has allowed players to quickly ascend when warranted. One example of that is Smith. Showalter has been terrific as the Mets twice daily face in front of reporters giving thoughtful, detailed answers while leaving some of the other things, including gig, big injury updates to Epler. Between the lines, Showalter has been what he's always been, a skilled tactician who will give his team an advantage over the opposing manager most nights. And with Showalter, effort should never go in a slump. And so far for the Mets this year, it hasn't. So way to go, Buck. You have led us to the promised land so far. Now it's time for a shameless plug of this podcast. If you're not subscribing to the podcast, please do so. You'll be ordered every day when one is up, and almost every day we do have one up. So please do subscribe. And if you're not a member of the baseball group, New York Mets Baseball Way of Life, you really should join. Uh, great Met people, great content, great conversation, great features every day. So please do join. And if you ever need to reach me by email, I'm at P-H-I-L-S-T-A-N-4-1 at gmail.com. Any questions, comments, concerns, whatever's on your mind, please feel free to uh, correspond with me. I will reply. Now today in Met Birthdays, we celebrate the happy birthday to Hank Webb, born this day in 1950. As I recall, Hank Webb was the pitcher in that game against the Cardinals that went like 24, 26 innings. And threw uh, Aaron Pickoff throw, and that's how the Cardinals won the game. I think Big McBride scored the, the game-winning run. It was a marathon game in September. What year was that? 74, I believe. And then happy birthday to Tom Martin, born this date in 1970. And on this date, uh, Grover Powell passed away, a former Met pitcher, born in 1985. And in the transaction front, on this date in 2006... The Mets released Bartolome Fortunato. And on this date in 2010, the Yankees signed our very own Rene Rivera. So there you have it. Those are your birthdays, the unfortunate death of Grover Powell, and the two transactions on this date. Now, what's going on in the group, you say? Well, I'm glad you're asking. We're going to tell you. We're going to do our Jeopardy and trivia first, like we always do. Today's trivia question is, what Met pitcher holds the team record for most pitches thrown in one game? Lock in your answers. We'll reveal the answers to the trivia and this Jeopardy question at the end of the podcast. Jeopardy has two clues. His career with the Mets was interrupted in 1998 when he was traded to L.A. Dodgers, but he returned to the Mets about one month later in a subsequent trade. Second clue was traded by the Atlanta Braves to the New York Mets in exchange for Paul Bird on November 25th, 1996. Lock in your answers, and we'll be back to talk about it at the end of the podcast. And now we're going to talk about what's going on in the group itself. 
We have some great photos if you ever want to check them out today in the group. Tom Seaver signing a autograph for a bunch of eager kids. You'll love this photo. A picture of what the old season ticket used to look like for the field box back in 1962. Remember those little coupons you used to tear the ticket out of the book? That's what this looks like. And on this date in 1969, we remember that the Mets are 500 at the latest point of the season in team history. Tom Seaver throws a three-hitter, blanking the Braves at Atlanta Stadium 5-0, improving the team's win-loss record to 18-18. and And then who will ever forget when they, they sung coup, that's against Randy Johnson. Mike Piazza confided to Dave Wright in the dugout, if he gets a hit, I'll donate a million dollars to charity. While the Korean native, who was afraid to stand in the batter's box in a previous game, promptly hits a 91-mile-per-hour fastball to the wall in center field for a double, causing the Mets catcher to remark he'll be making a significant donation to a charity over the next 20 years. Now we got a good photo of Joe Torrey in the dugout making a phone call. And uh, Joe was a great, great character in Met history. So these are some of the things that we highlight. And we always have Mike Freed with great commentary on every game. Almost every game, pre and post game, you want to check him out. So, uh, yeah. The group is a place to go every day to check for your daily, up Met daily updates and news. If I do say so myself. Well, that's going to be the end of the podcast here for yet another day. Uh, today, we have a doubleheader. A lot of doubleheaders this year. And we have another one today, this one against the Colorado Rockies. Hopefully, they get both in. I'm not sure if the weather's going to clear up, what the field conditions are going to be like. But we shall see as the day progresses. But nonetheless, we'll be here to talk all about it tomorrow. So check back tomorrow. And again, thanks for listening. It means the world to me. And let's go Mets. Number seven.